as our world gets more technologically advanced, artificial intelligence, or AI, have become an increasingly common part of our everyday lives. Mechanical labor has replaced human labor in many industries, and mechanical minds have developed to learn and adapt at a rate that far exceeds the capabilities of the human mind. While science fiction stories can tell us how AI can impact human society, can they tell us the ethical and theological implications of them? Today, the Holy Ghost dives into the machine as we explore the universe of artificial intelligence. This is Truly Universal. Welcome to Truly Universal, the podcast where we discuss all things Catholic in another universe. I'm Rents, as usual, and with us today, we have our full core crew going around. We got Meg, Matt, Mark, and Ian. And today, we're welcoming the universe of artificial intelligence. So AI has been a part of science fiction probably since the beginning of the genre, and it's probably as old as like time travel, which we discussed last week. But like with anything in science fiction, there's like parallels in in the real life. So before we delve into what AI is actually happening today, uh, in truly universal fashion, let's dive into the fictional. So let's go around the horn and everyone go and share your uh, favorite portrayal of AI in science fiction. So we'll start with Ian. I really enjoy uh, Data from Star Trek Next Generation because he was, you know, intelligent robot android but he wanted to learn what it meant to be human mm. and just learning a heart he was like uh i guess the, the tin, tin man oh tin man yes yeah 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 yeah. tin man i guess the tin man is also one of my favorite ais oh god he's an ai go, someone else go please okay <laughs> go ahead mark my favorite would have to be Wally, where everyone's trapped in this eternally driving cruise ship where they're floating through space and the AI support them as much as they can while tending to their every need, but it keeps them on this perpetual course floating around in space without ever returning to Earth. And the AI develops an intelligence and methods to keep them on their path within the ship floating out in space as much as possible, but they're losing the whole point of like why they had to go back to in the first place. Nice. That's a tearjerker. Classic. Classic. Good one. All right. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, my favorite work of fiction that deals with AI, uh, I tend to like things that come from video games. And uh, two examples that I like is one is a video game called Detroit Become Human. A lot of its main characters are like these androids that become self-aware of like their place in society and sort of, it's like a murder mystery, but like these AIs become involved and they sort of learn their place in the human structure. And my other uh, favorite is actually uh, the popular web series Red vs. Blue. In season six of Red vs. Blue, uh, the main character is revealed to be an AI which up until that point you assume is a human being. A ghost. or And who dies and then becomes a ghost. And so you like, I tend to like works of fiction where like the main characters are AI and it gets into this really deep question of like, are artificial intelligence that have the intellect of a person, a person? And I guess we can talk about that later. Definitely, definitely. All right, go ahead, Meg. What is your favorite portrayal? 
On a not serious note, I appreciate in Invader Zim, the sidekick, what's his name? Gurr. Gurr. (laughs) And Bender from Futurama, but only to the extent that I'd rather have AI that's not as smart as me, so I feel better about myself. (laughs) 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 But on a more serious note, I do appreciate Westworld um, just because that main character, what's the girl's name? Oh, the, the blonde the blonde, I don't, I haven't. Can we get a fact check on that? Fact check, um, just because she is dealing with this struggle of finding out who she is, which is a very human thing to go through, um, and like having these flashbacks to her past and and trying to deal with this fact that realizing she's not a human. So that's very interesting to me. Not that I w- I'm jealous of her situation, but it's very interesting to me how human that struggle is. Yeah, actually, Westworld was was on my top of my mind too. And for those of you who don't know Westworld, it's a great HBO series. Uh, pretty much, imagine Disneyland run by robots that you don't know are robots. And just really hedonistic, but that's yeah. a different story. Yeah, we'll talk about the ethics of that. Cool, cool. Uh, for me, mine actually is um, it's a little. It's not actual living AI. It's kind of a weird AI, but uh, it's still AI nonetheless. The Matrix series. I think Matrix is one of my favorite. Uh, film trilogies, uh, even though it's got a lot of heat for how it ended. But those of you who don't know about AI, it's pretty much the idea of imagine that we're in a virtual reality universe and all we know is this world that we live in, but it's actually run by robots that are self-aware and controlling all of it and we're being used as batteries. So I, the action's good. My homie Keanu Reeves is in it. Uh, shout outs to, to the guy that got punched by uh, Randall Park. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Sorry Spoiler alert. What are you talking if you haven't seen that yet we probably won't cover it fresh off the boat (laughs) so cool uh ai i'm really excited uh about ai for this episode like i said earlier there's there's two pathways we can go down uh one is the fictional world one's the actual ai so we'll save that for the end when we talk about actual ai but let's talk about um ai in science fiction and specifically for those of you that are pretty good with Wikipedia and look up stuff, the AI we're going to talk about is AGI or artificial general intelligence. And so to be distinct, it is AI that appears human, that starts to think on its own, starts to talk on its own. It passes what we call like the Turing test where you can't tell it's AI um, and it's it's pretty cognitive. And that's the one that science fiction loves to go into. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's open up with our favorite segment that we love every podcast is Does it have a soul? Um, Let's talk about that. General AI, does it have a soul? And meaning, can we preach to it? Can it be saved? Can we kill it? You know, what are the ramifications on general AI? And feel free to reference any of your favorite AI movies for that. So any thoughts in general about general AI? This is AGI in in fiction, right? Not not the AGI we're currently working on. Correct, correct. We're going to talk about that more more later. Okay. So imagine the things like... um, Ex Machina is probably a good example of, of what came out. So the, the AI there, um, we, the guy was, t- if you haven't watched it yet, it's a great movie. Uh, I haven't seen all of it yet, but it's great. The parts <laughs> I've seen, uh, so I won't spoil it. But the idea is there's an artificial intelligent machine uh, named Ava. And the guy that works for this eccentric you know, CEO created this uh, AI and he invited his coworker who, or one of his employees that won the contest to come here and Pretty much test it. Test this artificial intelligence and see if you can, you know, feel like it's real, a real person. Um, And then through the course of the movie, he gets, you know, he starts empathizing with it. Ava has great emotional empathy. It feels like it's a human. And then, uh, you know, the the protagonist sympathizes with the the robot. And you'll have to watch it. Um, But we forget that 
the the AI is is a robot. So yeah, what's what are the implications? Like, can we can we kill it? Can we can, do we have mastery over it? We talked about the other week about you know Pokemon. So where do where do we stand in terms of AI and its soul and its ethics? Well, if anything, we're kind of looking at the story of creation with Adam and Eve being charged to have dominion over creation and be stewards of it. It ends up being an extension of having dominion and being a steward of the electronic creation that they were able to produce out of their own hands. It's pretty difficult to reconcile being able to preach to a computer program and artificial intelligence much the way that you would preach to your dog the gospel and to try to get it to be baptized and convert. Uh, Interesting. Interesting. I think thinking about it having a soul definitely has to do with is it God created or human created? Kind of like what Mark was going into. And then now I'm thinking back to classes I took on psychology of spirituality where these capacities for belief and capacities for hope that are very crucial to human nature are things that you grow up into having based on the environment that you've lived in as a child. And most of this AI doesn't grow up as a child or have that same experiences we do they only have the experiences that their creators have had um so like in that sense it's like it it what it does a soul can't be man-made same thomas would agree aquinas uh really to show that something has a rational soul which means then we can preach to it and that kind of thing it has to show evidence of rational thought but then that's when you bring up that idea of well the turing test like can it even you know we can't tell the difference um the skeptic in me, in the sense of like, well, if I don't really know whether it has a soul or not, I'm just going to act if it, as if it does, just in case, you know? Because if it mm. does, then let's go preach to it and save it um, with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we've basically created a soul just for the purpose of damning it. So that's very Calvin. You know, I like this kind of distinction that I, I kind of see it is that the soul is not based on our perception of it. Like, oh, can we reason it's rational? It's based on its inception. Was it created by God or was it created by us? That is a little, I like the ethics of it. Like, until you find out for sure it's, you know, created by man, maybe we should preach to it. Yeah, that kind of logic extends to, like, bringing a child into the world. Like, if through your your union, husband, wife, bringing the child into being, you have the obligation as parents to be able to raise it in the faith. If you bring a hyper-intelligent AI into existence, you might as well at least attempt to preach the gospel to it and see what happens, I guess. So by that logic, like, is it the, the creator's responsibility the same way the, the parent's responsibility is to sort of bring their child into the faith? Would, if I had created an AI, the computer program, does the responsibility fall into me? Oh, the programmer. (laughs) But it also comes down to that capacity to interact and engage with something as divine as God. Is that something that can be synthetic? Like that, that, that mystery that us humans can comprehend and feel in a way that others like creations can't like, can that be synthetic? That that brings up a great point because in my mind I'm thinking like in vitro fertilization because it technically is, uh you know it is natural you know with sperm egg implanted but there is that human interaction with it but we also you know we do believe that you know in vitro fertilization the the child has a soul I I would assume so yeah that we in a sense I've heard it put as you you forced God's hand so 
Yeah. So, so yeah, but then we would go into this world again, truly universal. We don't want to, we're delving. Yeah. I'm sure I don't want to be called by my bishop for heresy or craziness, but now we're like, what is that, that border of forcing God's hand in, in artificial intelligence? You know, how, how much of it is we're, we're creating this being to the point where, okay, God, God's like, oh gosh, they're, they're moving too fast, but. Oh me. Oh, oh yeah. Oh me. Um, <laughs> To, it, it's uh, I I I gotta put a soul in it. It's getting pretty close because it's having all the things of a soul. Or or is it just there's a limit? Like no, we've we've taken away the human aspect way too far. That okay, yeah, I can't put a soul in it. I feel like there's a big difference between the AI that we've been talking about in vitro fertilization because we're still using what God uses to create man or to create human. We're still using that bio substance right of a sperm and an egg and in a sense it's still following along that natural way as opposed to making metal or making um electricity into a a quote-unquote human like that's not natural and if we're going to talk about what's more in line or where the boundary i think that would be it because we're not using actual substance that god would use to create a human we're using metal we're using electricity we're using our own ego just kidding (laughs) yeah then we get into the whole questions of what defines the human being in the catholic faith we're dealing with the body and soul composite that the two makes up a human being, but then with artificial intelligence, we end up getting to territory where defining human beings only by the intellect, by the mind, and what it's able to rationally think. Kind of like, what's the philosopher again? Wasn't there? Rene Descartes. There you go. Well, yeah, so when he came around, you know, this whole project of like, well, let's say I doubt everything. What can I find that is not doubtable? And then he came up with the I think, therefore I am. So he comes from the, this this process of I'm I'm doubting, but by the activity of doubting, I'm thinking, and I cannot therefore deny that I exist. That's that's what that means, right? But we've kind of from then on, we've kind of thought of the human self or person kind of as the thinking thing, right? But we forget the mind body duality that we we as a church have been pushing, right? And we've we've gotten to dualistic about mind and body and you know, we've tried to abstract ourselves from the body when what is you know think about the salvation story right if the body wasn't important jesus would not have taken the body mm. so and, and that's kind of going back with what meg was saying about like yes this the biological stuff that you know uh, but she was talking and i started thinking about ultron and i started thinking about <laughs> <laughs> vision but any, anyway sorry no no that's a good point that's a good point um, the, this probably we answered a lot of it, but uh, but let's delve into it because there's also, uh, as Matt and I were talking earlier before the podcast, you can go deeper into the different lore of AI in science fiction. So the first one I think we talked about was um, Halo and Resident Evil version of AI, where you can copy someone's brain into what like a program. Yeah. Or- so in Halo, uh, they define these sorts of AI as uh, smart AI meaning like the general AI are called dumb AIs because they lacked sort of the autonomy and sort of the further cognitive uh, flexibility of the actual human mind. So in Halo, they flash clone a human brain and they computerize it. So like the AI is not just uh, a computer program. Well, it is a computer program, but it's a computer program that's more nuanced in the sense that it retains all of the the memories, the skills, the uh, cognitive thinking of the original person. 
So yeah, so let's talk about that in this universe again, truly universal fashion. Let's uh, let's talk about you copy someone's brain as a computer program. As a computer program, what is what are the ramifications of that? Like what are what are the moral implications of of doing this? Go for it. It goes back to the connection between body and soul, right? There's something to say about the senses that we have, like taste, touch, hearing, um, all of that, and, and muscle memory even as well. So there's all this psychology in terms of the senses that we have, and so to go from being this human that can feel things and in a sense refeel it because we know what it means to feel and then going into the body of a not human and feeling that weird disconnect because then now it's like your memories from now on don't have the same senses as when you had skin and fibers and neurons and nerves but i do argue that what happens if we get to a point where if feeling is pretty much you know synapses or or signals to the brain that we're able to recreate that but could we ever really looking at this idea when we have facetime or when we have conversations with people or when we have records recordings of people's voices and build-a-bears like yes it's almost exactly there but it's still that that hint of syntheticness that doesn't make it just as true as if we felt it with our real human senses Wow. And there's also the ethical problem of a mind that's no longer connected to a body. You deny it being within a human body and it almost goes insane by the fact that it no longer thinks it's a person because it's not in a body. And with a lot of these AIs, like I remember with um, with Red versus Blue and Halo, they'll slowly degrade themselves and just completely shut down after a while because they're trying to process if they're human or not. And it slowly drives them insane. Yeah, like they shut down in Halo because all they have is thinking. So they tend to... they. They can only function a certain amount of years and they overthink themselves to death because that's the only function that they have, I guess. Sounds like my Saturday evenings. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) On that note, let's move on. So, um, so again, we're going down kind of the rabbit hole a little bit. So this one is going to be very strange. Let's, um, again, truly universal fashion. There's uh, acceptance of disbelief that we have to for this concept, but I'm going to bring up sword art. I'm not familiar with it, but Matt, go ahead and talk us through how sword art deals with souls or AI. Well, he kind of foreshadowed a little bit, but sword art online alicization, which is like one of the sequel series to sword art online and anime about video games and VR. So they have this concept where uh, they take the idea of creating a smart AI a step further. And it's sort of uh, loosely based on sort of the the quantum mind and quantum consciousness. And basically what happens in sort of online alicization is that they, instead of copying the human mind, they they have the technology to copy the human soul. Uh, Again, we don't know how... how... (laughs) There's no explanation even in the series to (laughs) explain how they're able to do this. But they, they copy and they create a computer program that is a human soul. And both this and Red vs. Blue, the idea is that they create these things, uh, they're designed for warfare. And in Sword Art's case is that they believed that there's uh, a consciousness beyond the human mind. And that in order to reach that higher level of awareness and cognitive reasoning and sort of higher being and ability to process and autonomy, that the soul is required for that, not just the mind. So, yeah, they create computer programs of souls. All right, let's do it. 
sword art copying a soul again not knowing how that works what what are we what are we dealing with we are definitely i don't think we're even forcing god's hand at this point we are just trying to be god well even with the if we're delving into the story of sword art online the people who created this program in order to replicate human souls they take human babies and use them to copy them and put them into a virtual world they're literally playing God in this sense, creating a whole virtual world for these flucklights, as they call them, to grow and develop a whole civilization in virtual reality. <laughs> so like in story, they, they found out that they couldn't copy adult brains because the adult souls, they began to have this question of self because they're like, oh, like you are a copy of this person. They're like, no, I'm that person. What do you mean I'm not that person? Oh, dude, um, you, what do you mean I'm not a copy of that person? Uh, or I, I am a copy of that person. And they sort of like shut down. So that's why they copy babies so that they, they grow up and they put them into, this is where the VR comes in. They put them into a virtual reality that the way they can raise them from childhood to adulthood. And that way they can use their adult minds and reasoning for whatever purposes. But yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's say that you are preaching like you are a youth minister in this world you are a priest or like a, some sort of uh, catholic speaker like what are your issues like how do you how do you outline a talk against what's going on like you are again you're outside of it you're not flood light you're a real human in this world and you know this is going on so what, what is your what does your your speech start with it has this like confused <laughs> pain is, wait look. is everyone in, in this reality no only those who were playing the game i don't I, I tried to watch Sword Art Online and I I got I was too busy with work. But like let's say everyone else is one of these virtual flock like these artificial human souls placed into the program and you're the only human but so you're I'm trying to save these copies of souls? You, you may, it's up to you. Like what do you Are we yeah, preaching in Sword Art Online yeah. or are we preaching outside of it? Oh god. Like, if this was the Matrix, are we in the Matrix? That's actually a perfect example of this because the Flucklights don't know that they're in a computer program to begin they with. They believe their world is real. Oh. We think yeah. our world is real. Oh, this is... Now but we're the idea real. is that we... Our world is real, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean Not that with, like I didn't mean that with doubt, but real. more like... <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Uh, hmm. This is... Really deep waters. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, well, again, the skeptic in me in this fictional universe, not knowing whether they're real souls, if a copy of a soul is a soul, I will try to convert them to say that the Lord Jesus Christ is out there, that he died for you. I like that quotation marks, like, because you don't know what kind of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, y you. <laughs> Sorry. I think of Christopher Watt. You. He died for you. Uh, oh, gosh. What? In the world, <laughs> but I like that thought process. Is that you know, you you really can't tell in this world, so you might as well just act as if. Yeah, you might as well try to save as many souls as you can, regardless of if you know the soul is real or not. Like you, see, you regard them as a soul, and you try to save them in the ways that you can. That makes me think of also Tron Legacy. Remember that movie? Yes. Oh, right. and then the the those spontaneous creations of artificial intelligences. I don't know what he called them, but. I just remember I just remember Daft Punk. That's really all I remembered from that. <laughs> I think the skeptic in me wonders like when I die, my soul leaves my body. But like how does that work for a flucklight, I guess? If they die, something happens, computer, whatever, maybe the world that they're in, that computer shuts down or whatever. I'm just like, where does that 
Yeah. Go. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say that for me, I would think in this world, if I was like a theologian in this world, I would think the actual soul, we go back to our premise that it's one created by man and woman, you know, sperm and egg yeah. creates a soul. And then when you copy it over, that's like the death of the soul. You're, you can't, it, it stops there. Like even though it has the appearances of it, um, that it's truly, it won't live up to being a soul. It's just for all intents and purposes, a really, 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 really smart program with a smart and you know, backing understanding with self-learning, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But whatever happens to that, I think it's inconsequential. Just like we yeah. talked about different souls, like animal soul, vegetative soul. We just create a new, I guess, category, which is AI Artificial soul. soul. Artificial. Artificial soul. Or a like a synth shop. soul. Sounds like a music genre. <laughs> so we got this is a music genre. Like a baking R and B, like Sif Soul. No, like like Sif, alternative no, synth, Soul. Synth. synth <laughs> sift. Yeah, alternative Soul. That is. Soul. I like it. Whoa, AS. Okay. Okay. So if the computer shuts down, then that where all these artificial souls are stored and processed, does that mean it's the end of their existence? Yes. I guess it's like their body, so, honestly. And I also wonder then how abundant God's love and mercy would be in this universe. Like how... Like, would he say like... Ooh. Oh, oh. Interesting, he copy, yes. he, Even though the copy is a soul, because it's having all the, for all intents and purposes, it looks like soul, acts like soul. God's like, dang it, people, you really messed up, but... I, I love these things too. Like, yeah. Oh. Like if it still has a capacity to believe and have faith and to hope and to to have a divine connection, then it's like these concepts actually like really make me think of like Halo and like Red versus Blue because that happens. It's also like uh, what do you call it, Ex Machina, where they they sympathize with the fact that these artificial intelligences are as human as they can be. Yeah. <laughs> and it begs the question like. If it talks like a human, walks like a human, and stuff like that, are they human? And in that case, are they worth salvation as well? This side of AI just depresses me because my first real movie experience of AI was AI with Haley Joel Osment as a child and a sidekick teddy bear. So that <laughs> that's sadness. Actually, I remember that going up, watching that too with you. So wasn't it like he was tr- to fulfill his programming, and his programming was to be loved. Yeah, it was sad. To love and to be loved. And if we say that the human's most basic vocation on this earth is to love and be loved, what to say about Haley Joe Osmond and his teddy bear? Dun dun dun. Okay, so let's let's shift a little bit. Now let's let's go into the practical use of AI and what decisions can we give it power? So we'll get let's let's keep it whatever AI version you want to talk about. Uh, it exists in this truly universal world. So what can we allow morally as humans? AI to do you know the idea of can we put AI as the head of warfare in politics can we put them in the medical field you know what can what can we do with with AI in this world uh role and what's morally allowed so yeah think about put on your social justice hats and you know what what are we allowed to you know allow AI to do I would be definitely scared of putting any AI in into any sort of capacity to decide the use of weapons because who's to say that an AI is going to be able to to be able to have the restraint to decide how much force is necessary in uh, in a just war scenario would it be able to discern carefully about who are the combatants versus civilians in the case and how much destructive force will be necessary in order to lay down the threat of violence 
versus being able to like guide a nuclear missile to just like completely destroy an entire civilization and say, oh, the threat is gone. You don't need to worry about it anymore. I think what I think of is to go back to my brother's example of Wally. Is I feel like what I think of, at least I'm thinking about general AI, is the idea that AI tend to like follow things very procedurally, very methodically, very obsessively, right down to like the the punctuation. And I feel like that's scary when you start putting that in places of warfare or politics or human society because I guess it lacks the ingenuity and the nuance that human beings are capable of. So I feel like I wouldn't want them in anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it brings it down to the idea of empathy. And like you said, that nuanced empathy where AI right now, it works with patterns and algorithms and, and humans don't quite do that. Humans can make choices despite the patterns of the le- in life that they've experienced. And so in one way, it might be helpful that they don't have that same emotional pattern because, you know, Daenerys. Um, <laughs> but, Spoiler. But also, yeah. I didn't say nothing but the name. Uh, but also this idea that it wouldn't have that emotion. So seeing uh, maybe a child forced to be a soldier, like, do we say, like, do, do we have that empathy and that sympathy for a child that knows nothing but being a soldier because they were forced into it? Would an AI be able to have that nuance? Let's say for True Universal, we have designed empathy into AI. And then you can choose whatever AI you want. Mother Teresa uh, empathy levels, or do you want like, um, I don't know, Ted Bundy? It kind of reminds me of uh, Interstellar, right? With that, that robot, that TARS or whatever. So top down your humor back by 10%, something like that. Oh, yeah. So if you could program empathy. That's... Yeah, same thing with, uh, with Westworld. You know, talk about Westworld is like they have like, you know, like RPG stats for each of the, the robots. But with Westworld, there's still those malfunctions that an AI can have that maybe a human cannot. Well, I mean, we could go well, we into do, the mental. We, do we have can go into the mental. Oh, I malfunction The a mental lot. malfunctions <laughs> of most humans, but it's called but, sin, people. But going from being like this, this, you know, what's the blonde character's name? Uh, Dolores. Dolores. Going from Dolores, where she's like sweet and hospitable, to like possibly killing a person, like that. That difference, like, wouldn't be, I think, as drastic in a normal human being. You know, psychopaths and sociopaths aside. Got it. So, so in other words, I would say that anything that needs nuance or anything that needs kind of morality uh, decisions, we should probably not put AI. But things that don't, for example, driving cars, or we'll, we'll talk about more of that in a bit. Let's move on now. I think we're, we're kind of hinting at this. We're kind of biting on the bits for it. Let's talk about AI today. So let's talk about the ethics of AI today. So we're, let's get out of the truly universal fictional world and talk about AI today. And so the table set, AI has come a long way. Um, we've got different terms out there. So artificial intelligence, so we're taking away the AGI, not artificial intelligence, is the general umbrella term for you know computing, programming. And then we've kind of made really big strides in what we call machine learning. And pretty much in a sense, you can you can look it up. But the idea is before AI used to be, you feed it you know, logarithms and directly the machine would be able to optimize that and do it. Now we've reached a point where you can kind of feed it a lot of data and basic logarithms, and then it can read the data and start interpreting things about the data and to learn more, in a sense, learn more. And under that, there's different ways, like there's actually rewards and punishments in AI. So an AI can learn how to do stuff if it gets a perceived reward or perceived punishment. That's a lot of how Google Deep Learning um, does it. Uh, there's where it looks for patterns in data. Um, and then there's like deep learning. So it like connects all the neural networks in the back and um you know like facial recognition has a lot to do with that so there's a lot to ai to the point where 
we're starting to see it develop and you know automated truck driving we can see it in um you know facial recognition across the internet you can see things that are replaces people's faces and you can create fake videos now it only needs a few pictures of the person right and it can yep make you basically make a video of you saying whatever it wants exactly and then we got to the point where ai started to be more efficient at certain jobs like the idea that at restaurants you don't need you know a person anymore you can do you can order everything right out there at the table or at the counter so let's talk about you know what is the increasing use of artificial intelligence resulting in in our world the good and the bad what i don't like is when i have my phone near me and i talk about like I talk about grills one time and suddenly I get a month's worth of ads about <laughs> grills. And I'm like, this was seriously just one conversation. Like I was just craving like a impossible burger. And then I have to deal with like this month worth of ads because of this AI that's listening to me. <laughs> yeah, my ads are all about grad schools. I think one time I looked up like magic tricks and then it just like filled with all this <laughs> magician stuff and pen and teller. Yeah, I bought children's books once, and now all my ads are about children's toys and these really fancy toy kitchens that look like real ones. It was confusing. Okay, what what else we got? Okay, besides being annoying in terms of our ad experience. Well, we got, like, remember um, in Jeopardy, like, many years ago, you had Watson, that AI that crushed two human players in a trivia game. But its applications being used in things like healthcare, being able to analyze your symptoms and recognizing what diseases are associated with those symptoms in an instant. Um, so you have the benefits of it to be able to identify diseases and identify possible treatments. Also with self-driving cars, which are becoming increasingly more and more advanced, the ability to travel like all the way across a country one day without having to hold on to the steering wheel, pay attention to the road and other cars and be able to go long distances. So there are so many benefits that are opposed to that. But then you also have the risk of like how many jobs that could disappear in the coming generations, maybe even sooner. Those jobs are being replaced by computers and automation. I remember the video from from YouTube that was popular a few years back, Humans Need Not Apply. It was paralleling the the use of horses back in like pushing carts and now you barely see horses except like at the racetrack or like you're taking photos of it for your Instagram at like some farm or something. But soon enough, we could have so many people who are graduating out of college realizing that the majors that they took, the programs, everything they studied for are basically useless in the end because robots and computers have taken all their jobs. It reminds me of kind of like, uh, I think it brings up the question like industrial revolution. I remember when I remember when that happened to me uh, in the 17th, 18th century industrial revolution because it really changed a lot of jobs for, for people worldwide, you know. And I think the result of that was that people on the higher end behind the revolution, the people that are controlling you know, all those pieces were able to capitalize on those losses or those gains, whereas the commoners, the people, you know, the the, the workers were losing out. And I think that's kind of the, the place we're going to with AI is that we have to be careful. You know, like that, I watched that video. It's a really good video. Uh, talks about as AI comes in, you know, are we protecting the human the human dignity in work, you know, in labor? So I think Meg has, uh, she's like snapping her fingers like she agrees. <laughs> I was thinking about that, too, because when you look at the Industrial Revolution, when you look at 
Um, when you look at even, let's go down to like factory farming, this change in the way that we see dignity because we're trying to be efficient. Like we look back to if humans are on this earth to love and be loved, what is this AI on this earth for? To make things more efficient? When you're putting that focus on efficiency, you lose this empathy for the dignity of others. So we're looking at this idea that when you care so much about um, how much money you're making or how much you're more producing, you lose the dignity of other people, you lose the dignity of God's creation. When you think about, sorry, it was going to be me, be me all being vegetarian, but like factory farming and what they do to animals um, just so that they could produce more, you know, and, and, and make more money. Uh, so like losing this idea of giving di- dignity to God's creation in the process of producing. Yes, it's important to make sure that humans are fed and that, that we're healthy, but it's if, if it's losing the dignity of others in the process, what more could say when we start having AI? What dignity would we give those who were working in those ways? Like how would we then treat them? Would we then treat them the way that we treat cattle now? I think my biggest concern with AI today, at least from the perspective, like, I think I said maybe like four or five episodes ago that uh, I'm a graphic designer. And so I'm no stranger to like working on things like advertisements and stuff like that, is the idea that a lot of uh, artificial intelligences are using now to sort of learn about the consumer and learn about you sort of the things that you purchase, the things that you buy, the things that you like, and sort of tailoring ads towards the kinds of stuff that you want to buy or the things that you might buy. So you're the person that Meg does not like. <laughs> it's a yeah, says so the ex-marketing person. <laughs> but, but like, you know, like the idea that uh, AI can be used sort of as an invasion of privacy. I remember there was this thing in the news recently of like, is it the uh, the... What do you call it? The the dot or like something like that or like Alexa. I don't forget which one. But like there was this sort of like thing where like it would learn certain things about the commands that were being fed to it. But even after it had been like deleted or like completely reset, it would still remember. Oh, okay. Like those and it got into under fire because of like the people who had bought it had thought like that was an invasion of privacy because like somewhere that's being stored. The idea like, yeah, like these AI are learning maybe too much about other people. And also making that information public. Yep. And even worse, making decisions. You know, yeah. whether it's as small as filling your Facebook feed with it or making other decisions without your your consent. Exactly. So let's talk about positives to AI. What are what are the positive things that we can do in hopes of it being created that we can we can pull? I feel like all AI should have some relationship with a human and some partnership with a human so that they can fill each other's gaps and be complimentary in that sense. That sounds beautiful and cute. <laughs> like a Pokemon buddy. <laughs> Pokemon buddy. Yeah. Pokemon AI. But not as much as her. Let's just not go. Oh, yeah. I was going to say like... Let's like, not go. Nothing romantic, strictly business. <laughs> Friendship at most. So the one with Joaquin Phoenix? Yes. And yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Interesting movie. No, I'm sorry. I just I haven't I haven't moved mentally moved from the negatives because okay. I'm so consumed by mine. <laughs> okay, keep, let's but go I don't want to say them because it's listening. Oh. It's listening to me right now. We'll, we'll protect. We'll protect. Where's well, this let, mic from? <laughs> I, uh, I I think. Well, one my concern is you know we've seen too many sci-fi movies. I've seen too many. It's like why are we messing with this stuff that could undoubtedly destroy us? Terminator. And not, and not even like, I remember I was listening to a podcast earlier today just to kind of pre- prepare for this. Um, and they were kind of, they, they brought up the idea of 
well, uh, maybe you're giving it this huge problem to solve, right? Some big giant problem that could help us, right? But then the, the AI decides, mm, I don't have enough processing power. I'm going to shut off the grid for half America to get that processing power. Oh, yeah. And then all these other people just die because they don't have power. Um, but that wasn't necessarily like, oh, I'm going to go you know, activate missiles and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. Kind of like uh, that term monkey paw. You know, I think like it was oh. a, where you intend for a wish, but you don't see the f- circumstances in AI. Like you said, we intend for AI to do something and we can, we can create explicit, um, you know, protections like in any program. Mm-hmm. But what if the AI gets to a point where we don't put all these restrictions and it finds something like, yeah, I need to take power or I need to amass the flesh of blah 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 to okay now we're getting crazy well yeah. i don't know man i don't know what people are working on with this stuff that is true. That's you program ethics yeah but again I, so I mean, it goes back to how far can you program ethics you know to the point and we're, we're in the real world now mm. like ethics is explicit don't do this don't do that but i think even in an irobot wasn't it that the yeah the, the three the three laws yeah and then yeah. It, they found out a way to circumnavigate the laws and said like to be more efficient what was that again well not even that it was like, it wasn't even circumnavigating it like vicky the superintelligence was like the natural conclusion of the laws is that we must imprison humanity for its own safety yeah and it's just like oh boy i like it and i was thinking i was thinking through the logic of that and i'm like wow i can see how it could get to that cuz it's efficient cuz what's the worst cause of human violence other humans oh so again and then that takes away what freedom um but but I, again I, I don't think like in the real world i don't think we could ever get to a point where this thing has a quote-unquote soul or even if it passes the turing test like again we're, we're we've become too cartesian for our own good we implicitly think cartesian that's why we say, oh i'm gonna upload my mind into the net or the cloud or whatever i don't think that's even gonna be possible I'm sorry, I'm too that's too true. bodily. Yeah, I don't know. I love okay. I love the body. He, he I did a body roll. I did like a little body roll. Uh <laughs> like a body jiggled. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh that that hurt. But anyway, uh so we need to program burn. empathy in Meg real quick. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Sorry, still not there. IOS ten. Wait a minute, what? It'll come with an update. <laughs> but good. But uh, but any other any other hang ups or, or positives? We'll talk about hang ups or pluses or deltas. I think bringing it back to what makes a soul is like would they have like the reason we have this fear that they're not gonna have the right amount of empathy or those nuances is because does it have this inherent pull back to God that we do as humans? Like, is that inherently part of them that, that draws back to God and has that? Like, that's a, f- that's a part of our empathy that, like, once again, I don't think could be synthesized. That also brings up, if we do try to preach the gospel to it because it ha- doesn't have that connection to God, it's probably futile to be able to preach to it and it would be able to repent, convert, to want to draw itself toward God because it was never created for that. I mean, could AI sin? Mm. In the same way, I think same way, can our dogs sin? You know, yeah. If it doesn't have a relationship with God, then what would sin be considered for it? I don't think it can. Again, I don't think it has a soul or anything like that. Because we, even cognitive scientists and neuro- neurobiologists right now, they don't even know, we don't have a good account of what consciousness is for ourselves. True. If we don't even know what it is, how can we program it into a, another thing? True. So then, yeah. focusing on the ethics of it is really about the consequences, results of what. Well, yeah, as a technology, and yeah. I think the good is it multiplies our power to do all kinds of things, right? Mm, but then, I see. Well, because it can solve all kinds of problems for us, but then that leaves the onus on us. Like, will we actually go through with some of the projections, that kind of thing? Like, will we do the thing that 
actually, we know there's legends of like ancient, of like old wise men and alchemists from back in the day had like they've created these automatons that would help them with answering questions. It would answer yes or no. Actually, some legends say that Saint Albert the Great, Thomas Aquinas's um, mentor, had a fully functioning robot called Androides. Wait, I never heard of this. Yeah, it's Wait, just an interesting side legend in, in a bunch of different texts, and it was just like. That it could just, it could do household things, it could speak. Legend has it, like it startled Aquinas, and Aquinas beat it with a hammer and destroyed it. <laughs> so, um, or burned it with fire, I can't remember. There's a whole variety of things. But the idea of, we've had this 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 legend of, we can make something that could help us. Like, um, but let it be a helper, right? Let it not kind of, let it not be the final say, right? I would never put AI in charge of military. I, I think ever we'll agree? Yeah. Never, ever, ever, ever. So yeah, let's uh, let's close out with a final question uh, in some levity. Let's go around the horn. Oh, and God. if you at this moment found out you were AI, like in our fictional, let's go back to the fictional. You just found out you're AI, whatever version you want, whether it's the sword art, soul AI, the brain AI of of Halo, or just the a general AI. You found out right now. What would be your reaction, and what would you do? From here on out. Can I can I start? Yeah, go for it. Because my reaction would probably be the exact same that happens in the red versus blue that I was talking earlier. It would be denial. I'd just be like, you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a person. <laughs> I've always been. <laughs> it's kind of like, has, has anyone had those thoughts like, I think people can listen to my thoughts and I'm being watched. Oh, yeah. Have you watched the Truman Show? Yeah, Come Tru- on. The Truman oh, yeah. Effect. Which Do is- I face all my teddy bears away when I was little because I was scared someone was recording it? Yeah. And the, but that, then you <laughs> respond with, problem. that can't happen. You know, denial. Would you ever get out of denial or <laughs> just try to... Free- I would probably access my abilities as an AI, but still outwardly express that I'm in denial. <laughs> I got but it. S- slowly embrace it, but still never admit to it. Got you. Got you. Okay. I think I would be like the one in Sword Art War. I'd probably just float around in the existence without recognizing that I ever became an AI. Or maybe I'd be like the Cardinal System where I recognize it and just take over the entire world and try to become the master of the entire system, controlling everything. I'm scared. Yeah, you would be the sum of all antagonist fears exactly. and of, of AI. Cool. Next next up, anyone? I would I'd probably go through all the stages of grief first. <laughs> so denial, anger, Same. bargaining. What's the next one? Oh, depression, acceptance. And then once I've accepted it, I'd start deleting some emotions that I found problematic in my life. And realize, really realizing like analyzing the patterns, like, you know, if I am a robot or whatever, I might as well use this and oh. Oh, that propensity to do X, Y, Z. Oh, that's gone now. And then just let's just make a whole new life. Let's wow. just reconstruct a whole personality. And, very well. Like when high schoolers go to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yes. Bags I of think, emotions. Um, I think I would definitely go through the stages of denial. And then I would wild out because I'm like, well, if I'm not human and I don't have a soul, then I guess we don't got to care about this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Probably you wild out, party a while, and then I'd get sick of that, as most do, <laughs> because there's no fulfillment in that. And then I'd do charity work. I think I'd, I'd think to myself, well, there's nothing I can lose if I don't have a real human relationship or family. So, you know what, let's go to the dangerous parts and really help do charity work and help, you know, bring water to the to children that don't have it or bring an education there 
or like not to be scared about mosquito bites, you know, yeah. <laughs> and like diseases because then I could do what I want wherever I want and help people. I think uh, I would be in denial also, but mostly because why would they program me with like all the laziness that I have? And all, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, like, you know, talking about, I was like, dude, whoever my creator is, is cruel. Like, <laughs> like why did you like program me to be a prodigy or well, like <laughs> what happens in Halo that sort of explains a little bit of that is that you're able to do it much faster than regular. Like you experience exactly how you are. But in fractions of a second. Oh, so okay. you think faster than people. So okay. you're, la- your you're, you're lazier than everyone. So you're better at being lazy. You're more efficient at being lazy than everyone else. You're so used to it. So it's like, it just it just feels the same. Okay, I got it. But I like Meg's example. It's like, my laziness is just amplified. So I am probably one of the laziest AIs out there. What a time. What a time. But yeah, uh, and then probably what I would do is, I think that I would think that knowing that I'm an AI, I would want to find my creator. I think there's just some something inherent about the person, about robots, about like either purpose or creator. You know, we find that in Haley Joel Osment's like AI. It's like she like he travels down. The last scene is really really somber. Like he travels down to like his childhood amusement park or whatever statue underwater, uh, and like that's it. Like that's that's as much purpose and creation that he was able to get in his life that he returned to. So I would probably be with my teddy bear companion also and search out. Um, I don't know. For all those out there, don't watch it with a five-year-old. As someone who watched it when they were five, <laughs> explains a lot. <laughs> well, so on that note, um, just to let you guys know, we recorded this entire episode through AI. We asked Alexa to imitate our voices, so I'm just kidding. But uh, let's go with the outro. Truly Universal is a production of Urban Picks, All Things to All. Our music was composed by Demi Guevara. Uh, Shout-outs to uh, Matt's friend for producing that intro and our sound producer qm uh, is his name as of right now uh, and you can find all of our content on our website www.urbanpicks.com slash truly universal please like and subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to contact us send us all an email at truly universal at urbanpicks.com thanks everyone this is Rents. this is meg this is matt mark this is ian <laughs> well Signing out. Goodbye.